Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Good morning and happy Tuesday, everybody. Welcome to the Daily Ding. We have, uh, we're going to try to recap the one of the craziest four days of NBA transactions in the short amount of time I've been covering the league. I'm Dave DeFore. I'm joined by Mo DeKeel. we got James Edwards, Andrew Schlecht. Andrew Schlecht's also going to produce this show, so wearing a couple hats. Guys, don't miss exclusive in-depth coverage of this unprecedented sports season. Subscribe now and save at The Athletic. Go to theathletic.com slash daily ding and get an all-access subscription for just $1 a week. The NBA is almost back, unbelievably, and you're not going to want to miss any of our reporting, podcast, ad-free, all of that, all of the things that you know and love about The Athletic. Go to theathletic.com slash daily ding and get an all-access subscription for just $1 a week. Crazy. Today's show, we are going to try to wrap our heads around free agency because we've had a busy few days. Mo, let's start at the top. The Lakers. I feel like they didn't necessarily get better, but I think they got smarter. I think they got better. I don't think they got better defensively, but I think they've gotten more offensive firepower. I think they've... they. They have gotten smarter. I know what you're alluding to because Mark Gasol, all basketball IQ team guy, you know, is is helps a lot there. But I think you know overall, I just think they have a little more offensive oomph that they didn't have, and they got younger, which is something that I think they needed to start looking at, considering they won't have a draft pick for what feels like the next 25 years. <laughs> well, a- Andrew, uh, you uh, you podcast about the Oklahoma City Thunder for us. I, Dennis Schroeder was a big pickup for this team. I, I, that's a huge upgrade on Rajon Rondo. And with the signing of Trez Harrell, I mean, that's a natural pick-and-roll combo coming off the bench. Yeah, I think it's great. And something that went under the radar with Schroeder this year is how much he did compete on the defensive end. I, I know people, to me, it's a little bit lazy to say, oh, they're much worse defensively because they added Dennis Schroeder. Schroeder was behind Dort. If Dort wasn't on the court for OKC, he was defending some of the best players on the opposing team. Uh, he defended James Harden a lot in that round one series, uh, and he's competed. He competed really hard for the Oklahoma City Thunder, which is something that I was worried about heading into the season because you have Chris Paul, you have SGA, and like where does he fit? Well, they found this three guard lineup that worked, and a lot, and it worked largely because Schroeder was willing to take on a different role and he was willing to compete on the defensive end. And so I think not only are the Lakers adding a player that can go get you a bucket when you need it, uh, but I also think that they're adding a a pretty feisty, underrated defender as well. Yeah, uh, James, the wing depth on this team, like we knew it was a potential issue coming into the the offseason. They lost Danny Green. They traded Danny Green. But they signed Wes Matthews, and most importantly, they re-signed Contavious Caldwell-Pope. I mean, that's just a, a huge signing. They could not lose him. No, and I like the Wes Matthews signing. I mean, if you if they had just got Wes and and lost KCP, I personally would have said that was an upgrade. Maybe I'm wrong. 
Um, if West yeah, is healthy and all that, no, I think you're wrong. Yeah. Right. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's okay. No, I think you're fair. wrong. That's fair. Um, I just, yeah, no, I just had to watch a lot of KCP for quite some time. Um, but yeah, no, it, I mean, yeah, you added KCP back, who was really good in the finals. You get West Matthews, who uh, I think maybe I don't know now. Can we all agree he's a solid player? Is he? <laughs> oh no, I think West is yeah, a good yeah. player. My my yeah, yeah. my whole issue, you know, with. The first move they made was losing Danny Green. And, and right. I mean, yes, I know I'm biased about Danny Green, but also Danny Green's a very good player. And, and I think Wes gives you, you know, 70, 75% of that. But keeping KCP and getting Schroeder and getting Gasol more than makes up for it. And you get to allocate that money to other places. Like, you don't get Trez if you've still got Danny Green on you don't the get roster. To keep, no, that's a good, you don't get to keep yeah. KCP. If you have Danny Green right. on the roster, that's really the where the pickup came from. Because they still would have had the mid-level for Trez in that situation. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think that's, that's one, a great point. And two, it's like, I like Danny Green as well. And maybe you guys will say something different. When I watched him for most of the playoffs... The defense took a, 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 a is a bit a bit slower to me. His hips don't seem like he can move them like he was just a few years ago. Um, obviously, he missed the big shot, but it didn't end up mattering. Like I just think Wes Matthews. If you told me you're going to get, there's a world where you get similar production in Wes Matthews. Like I I'm, I don't think you're crazy. I don't know. I, I just thought Danny Green took a a step or two back. I still like him as a player, but I don't yeah. think defensively he's. You're right. He's I th- quite where I'd want. I'm him with to you, be. James. No, you're I'm right. With you, James, I, I right think, there. I, I what we saw, what we saw out of him in the bubble certainly was diminished. Um, yeah. I, I just think he wasn't healthy. But that, with that being said, Wes Matthews is a great pickup. They needed to get that pickup. They could not uh, just not replace Danny Green. They needed that. I mean, and and Wes Matthews is a more than adequate wing helper, which is exactly the role that Danny Green was playing. So I don't think they're going to take a huge step back defensively either. I, I think mm-hmm. that this team actually got a little deeper because of how much you can actually put on the shoulders of Schroeder and Trez, especially offensively, during regular season. Uh, but they're not the only you know, finals contender that that made some upgrades. I, I think that the Bucks, you know, the Bogdan Bogdanovich deal falling apart aside, I thought they did pretty well. I mean, they obviously made the Drew Holiday trade, but signing DJ Augustine is a great pickup. Yeah, I mean, adding somebody that can create on the perimeter is just what they needed. I mean, they had guys on the perimeter last year that could hit shots, but attacking a closeout, creating for others is something that something that's that's not George Hill's strong suit. Although he hit forty six percent from three, which I think Bledsoe you could really ask for more, <laughs> more from him. Yeah, but yeah. it is Eric Bledsoe, and and yeah, they needed somebody that could create, and that's where I was excited about Bogdanovich for them. But mm-hmm. the pivot is not horrible. It's it doesn't look good. There's not a lot of things that look good about the yeah. Bogdanovich deal for the Bucks. But the pivot is is adequate. Yeah, I, I like uh, the Tory Craig pickup. I mean, you know, this is a big loss for Denver, but I yep. like the Tory Craig pickup. Uh, not a lot of money. You get a guy that you can trust to defend on the wing, and he's kind of a low volume three point shooting guy. I wonder if we're going to see that volume go up for Bud, but I think overall, I like the moves that the Bucks made as well. I, I think, uh, you know, they're not on the same level as the Lakers, and, and Mo, correct me if you think I'm wrong, I think the Lakers are, are on a tier by themselves, but I think the Bucks at least stayed in step with they're, the Lakers. They're there, and the thing for me with the Bucks is, and Dave, I know you got to be tired of hearing me say this, because I've been saying it the past two years, They've they are now able to play 
more than one way, more than one style. On offense, they exactly. can do more. They can run the offense through Drew Holiday, who can create as well and become a pick-and-roll partner with Giannis. And, you know, I think that unlocks Middleton. That takes the pressure of Middleton to feel like he has to create in second units and things like that. I think this sort of opens the door for more versatility, which is something I've been begging for for two years and asking them to try to add some way. And this is right in line with them. So I think this was a good pickup and it didn't cost them any defense. You know, they, they may have paid overpaid for drew holiday, but in the long run, if it leads to finals, it's not an overpay. Yeah, that's right. I mean, he's the perfect guy for what you need because, you know, they're going to put the ball in, in Giannis's hands, whether they're correct about it or not. They're going to do that for the majority of possessions. And so he's a good release valve. He can shoot well enough, and he, you know he can defend. Uh, another com- contender that made a big move, James, Serge Ibaka going to the Clippers. This, you want to talk about uh, allowing them to play a different style. They didn't have a floor spacing five that was also a rim protector. This is a huge move for them. Yeah, I like that upgrade over Harrell, honestly. Um, if you, When you want to go small and you put Ibaka at the five, and I mean – the Clippers had to do something. Um, they add Ibaka, like we mentioned. I, I think that's just kind of one of the. That's one of my favorite moves um, of free agency. I, I mean, it's talked about, but kind of not the headlines. And then another one hits close to home. I think adding Luke Kennard's going to be good for them. Um, people might not know what Luke is capable of because he's in Detroit and he spent some time injured. But before he was injured last year, I mean, the dude put up fifteen and four in, in twenty eight games. They needed kind of another playmaker on the perimeter. Um, Luke adds that, plus shooting. I think he's an upgrade over Shamit because he can do more with the ball in his hands. I like what the Clippers did. I thought they kind of went – I think the Lakers had a better free agency because the champions got better, but I don't think the Clippers – I don't think that gap uh, widened as much as people might have thought it would based on how free agency was playing out. Um, until the Clippers got, you know, the one thing, the the one thing that scares me about the Clippers, because that's a great move, but they still don't have a table setter. They don't have a guy that I feel comfortable with, like Beverly running the offense, and and he he was better last year in that sense, but he's not really a playmaker. And I think that's just one area of weakness that they really need to figure out how they're going to fill, because that's the big one. But the Ibaka signing was huge. Yeah, yeah. I, I'll tell you that from from talking to people, I don't think the Clippers are done. It doesn't mean they have a move coming soon, but I think they're going to be extremely active. Well, they'll try to use reshaping. Lou Williams mm-hmm. for something. I think, yeah, they're going to be really active trying to trying to reshape their playmaking core because they really just don't have any. I mean, this was the big problem for them in the playoffs. So that's the contenders. You know, a few teams made some moves, and I think they've jumped into playoff contention or maybe even. In the case of Portland, they might be in the top half of the West. I mean, Portland, you know, they get Covington in a trade. They get Cantor in a trade. They sign Derek Jones Jr. I I like what they've done. They bring back Rodney Hood. They've got a lot of wings. And, Andrew, this has kind of been the problem for this team since they've had this group together. They never have wings. Yeah. They never have a guy who can play defense and shoot. And now they have a few of those guys. I mean, this is a huge upgrade for them. I mean, Covington was the second best player for the Rockets in the playoffs. Uh, he mm. was effective at many positions for them. And to me, adding him is a is a really huge deal. With When you watch the Blazers last year, they just had a lot of holes out on the wing and at the four. And you add him, and he immediately fills a lot of that void. 
Uh, Derek Jones Jr. I think is underrated. Uh, Harry Giles is interesting. I don't know where he plays because they have a lot of bigs, but I mm-hmm. I like that as an underrated move. Uh, and then they bring Melo back. I don't know if, if Melo is going to be okay with his new role because I think Covington uh, will take a lot of the minutes that he had last year. But I think they're they're going to be solid, and people forget that that team made the West Finals not that long ago. Uh, not that I think that they're going to do it again this year, but I think they could surprise some people because I think Damian Lillard is still probably underrated as as one of the best players in the NBA. Uh, and then you add a role player like Covington, you add Derek Jones. I, I'm I'm a huge fan of, of what they did. I think they could surprise some people in the West. Well. And Nurkic looked amazing in the bubble, especially for a guy coming back after that much time off. You know, I've talked about this a little bit. They have, like, this perfect blend of time off and playing time because they had the hiatus. They played in the bubble. They played well. They got all those practices, and now they're resting up again. I I think that this team could be poised to really surprise us in the regular season. I don't know if it will lend itself to postseason success, but I can see them being the two or three seed just because – They've got depth, and you know that they've got high-end talent. I mean, Nurkic being there for the whole season is really going to bolster the defense. Uh, Another team that made a big splash, James, Atlanta just tried to sign everybody. They got Gallinari. (laughs) They got Rondo. They got Solomon Hill. um, They might have Bogdanovich. By the time this podcast comes out, they've signed him to an offer sheet. Uh, Pretty clear that they have a mandate to try to make the playoffs, and they push their chips in the table. Yeah, no, they did. I think they're going to be exciting. Um, I think that goes without question. They're, they're going to play offense. Yeah, that's what I was just about to say. Like, I'm not sure any single move that they made is going to get them. What were they? 25th in defense last year. Oh yeah. I don't know if they're going to improve. They might get worse. To be honest with you. Yeah. Um, could they make the playoffs? I think the East is going to be better, but that seven eight seed plus the play in game gets a little more interesting. They seem like a play in team, even mm-hmm. though we only seen that for a year. But it seems like a team that could. That could jump in there from that. I, I like what they did. If they get Bogdanovich, then that makes again them more interesting offensively, and maybe they can outscore a lot of teams. But I, I could they make the eighth seed? Yes, sure. Um, I think I, if everything that's breaks, kind of where it stops for me. Yeah. I think because of how bad the bottom of the East is, and in particular their division, uh, if everything breaks right, that could be like the five or six seed. Yeah, it's just the way that regular season basketball works. I, you know, it does reward teams that don't necessarily play defense. Like if they can score every night, and I think they will, they're going to win a lot of games just because of that. They're not going to have a lot of cold shooting nights. They've got too many good offensive players. Uh, hold and on. Then, I want to push on that ahead, a little Mo. bit, just because the East is deep already. Five, six teams, assuming everybody's healthy, right? Just assuming good health. Milwaukee, uh, Boston, yeah. Brooklyn. Uh, Philly, uh, uh, Toronto, and Miami in any order. Just six deep right there for mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. And then you got the Pacers. The Pacers that are always better. Yeah, I'm not sure mm-hmm. they're better than the Pacers. And, and, and the other yeah. thing, too, with it. Oh, and I don't think that they are. This is, again, this is ideal outcome. This is everything goes great for them. They could be the five but or the six. the other thing, too. Fair. It could also go awfully, and they could they could be like the Cleveland <laughs> but Cavaliers. the other thing, too, about this yeah. team is I almost think they have too many guys at this point. For sure. I, I think there's got to be a consolidation of some I sort. I think like if you're a up. team, you might be wanting kicking the tires there and seeing if uh, Collins is available. Like, you know, they're, right. they're, it'll be very interesting if they end up getting Bogdanovich, how the whole rotation shakes out. Because there's a lot of guys that are going to be making money that may not be happy with their role. They'll have like 11 guys. And that's for sure too many. Like, I think that 
it at least gives them a war chest. So if they're going out and looking to add stuff before, you know, at the deadline, they've got some pieces they can move. Uh, Mo Phoenix, they're they're up and coming. They went eight zero in the bubble. They trade for Chris Paul. They signed Jake uh, Jay Crowder. Brought back Dario Saric. How do you like what the Suns have done? I like what they've done. They've pushed everything kind of. They're making a run too, like Atlanta, to try to get to the playoffs. You know, they had that nice bub- uh, bubble run, eight and zero, the whole deal. Everybody got excited and things. But I think they've really kind of added wing depth. You know, I like Saric as kind of a playmaking five, which is beginning to become the the way the big man needs to play in the NBA is being able to create a little more for others. I think that I, I like it. I'm excited to see what they look like. I think they're one of the clear winners of uh, the off season so far. And then there's a group of contenders that really just got bad news during free agency. Um, the Denver Nuggets lost Jeremy Grant guys. And you know, I guess it's a good time to swing it to James because the Pistons kind of, came in and poached Jeremy Grant, and I got to say, that was very unexpected. I, I really thought Jeremy Grant was going was gonna to come back, and in particular was surprised to hear that he turned down the same money for a better opportunity on a losing team. Yeah, I mean, that shocked the shit out of me, too, <laughs> um, as somebody who covers the Pistons, because, and I, and I wrote about this, and we'll talk about it, when we, I'm sure, when we get into the Pistons. Oh, but. yeah. The moves that that led to free agency kind of suggested they were going to do a full scale rebuild. Them being the Pistons, um, which didn't necessarily add up to what was said before. Then people just kind of got lost in the sauce and what happened the four days leading up. So the Grant thing. I mean, there's obviously the connection with Troy Weaver. Um, I think there's uh, some other things that went into it that I'm hoping once we get to meet people in normal circumstances, I'll talk to Grant about. Um, but yeah, I mean, he from on the surface he wanted a bigger role. Um, I think the writing was on the wall that it, it seemed like he could slip to at least on offense the fourth option um, this year in Denver. I yeah, I mean, to, it doesn't sound like he prioritizes winning at this point in his career. Um, and that's really all I got. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I, I listen. Can't really I had Denver <laughs> coming yeah. into free agency. I, I thought Denver should have be should have been uh, a favorite to make the Western Conference Finals. I, I really did feel like they're so young and they're going to grow so much. Uh, bringing Jeremy Grant back felt like a no brainer. They lost him. No Tory Craig. He's now in Milwaukee. They did sign Jamichael Green and, and Mo. You know, I know that you're all over the Clippers. Is Jamichael Green going to do enough? I mean, he's certainly going to be cheaper than Jeremy Grant. Is he going to do enough that between him and Michael Porter Jr., they just don't miss Jeremy Grant? No, and and, and it's not a shot at Green. Green's a four, you know, a stretch four, maybe mm-hmm. five. Yeah. Like, Grant's a guy that can guard wings, and I think that was kind of the big thing there, and I think that was – it, I'm going to put words in your mouth, Dave, but I think that was one of the main reasons why you felt like with him they could be back in the conference finals next year. You uh-huh. know, and I think that's a key thing. We've seen Michael Porter Jr., unless he's taking a massive leap defensively, that ain't really his forte or his something he really cares about <laughs> or really likes or, you know, really cares to even try to do all that much. So that's why it's such a big blow for the Nuggets in that sense and it Green's a nice pickup for them he'll help stretch the floor and things like that but he is not Jeremy Grant and if that's what they're thinking they're getting in him they they really kind of put themselves in a tough spot oh yeah um and, and Andrew the other two teams I want to talk about but I want to talk about them in a pair 
Toronto and Boston because they kind of just got bad news. Yeah. It, it wasn't like a disaster. Um, although I think for Toronto, it probably hurts their short-term competitive chances more than Boston. But it was more like, all right, we for Toronto, they expected this was going to happen at some point. I think that they thought they had one more year with this group. And for Boston, they lost Gordon Hayward and got nothing in return. Mm-hmm. Two sides of the same coin to me. Yeah, it's it's tough for Boston, and it's it's crazy because they've had they've lost Kyrie Irving, they have lost Gordon Hayward, they lost Al Horford, back to back to back, and it just shows you the strength of what that team had built up to where it's like, okay, would you be shocked to see Boston back in the East Finals? Now, I wouldn't. Nope. I wouldn't be shocked to see them there, and that just speaks to the talent that they've accumulated through the years. But eventually, it's going to catch up to you, right? Like you mm-hmm. keep acquiring guys and you keep bringing guys in and fortifying your team, and they end up leaving. Well, I mean, you have to start to think a little bit like, well, what's what's the deal here? Like, what's what's going what's going on here? And I know with Gordon Hayward, it's the the dollars. I mean, clearly that's that, that was the biggest <laughs> yeah. difference there. Million, but still, too. like, it's insane. But still, like, what's what's going on there? Is there something a little bit deeper that that maybe we don't see on the surface of Boston? That I don't know. It kind of worries me a little bit seeing guys leave year after year. Yeah. Well. All right. So I think that it's easy to say, "Wow, they lost three max players." Well, Kyrie is Kyrie, and I think you you basically just got to throw that out the window. Sure. Like, he his personality wasn't working with the team. I think the big issue there is that. They should have recognized it earlier and hopefully moved him for an asset. Mm-hmm. Al Horford, I, I think, caught him by complete surprise. I yeah. really thought, and I, I know it caught me by surprise. Um, the Hayward thing, it makes sense if you if you think about it from his perspective. This guy sees himself as an all-star player. I mean, he was an all-star. His role has been diminished, not necessarily through uh, poor play, because I think he's been mostly okay when he's healthy, but that's the rub. Mm-hmm. He hasn't been healthy there. And he's been surpassed by Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. And, you know, uh, he just isn't the guy that they signed. And so I can understand them wanting to part ways to a certain degree. But Boston getting nothing for him, I mean, that's a huge loss for them. I, it, I don't understand why they don't like Miles Turner. Um, yeah. Maybe we just see basketball differently. But it would have been a useful piece to me. Uh, you know, for a team that really could have used a center. I, mean, I guess they like Tristan Thompson better. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The Hayward thing takes me to the last group. And that is, as Mo has described them in our rundown, the what the f- group. <laughs> Charlotte 
is paying <laughs> Gordon Hayward $30 million a year. Now, as of right now, the, I think that you're going to stretch Batum and his remaining $27 million. So add $9 million to that. Yeah. Because to, in order to sign Gordon Hayward, they have to, they have to move that Batum contract. So if they do stretch and wave him, that's an extra nine and some change million a year. So it's really $40 million a year for Gordon Hayward. Now, I want to ask you guys, is a steady veteran hand as a playmaker who can play the three, play the four, you know he can make shots, you know he knows how to play in the playoffs, is that worth $40 million if you're the nine seed? Are they going to be the nine seed? No. <laughs> Maybe, like that's the thing. It's not even. It's, lucky. it's not even a surefire. They're going to be in the playing game. <laughs> like, yeah, I think they're going to be atrocious defensively. I think it's going to be bad. I mean, you know, I've watched all the Lamelo tape. We all saw Devonte Graham last year. You know, um, I, I think the defense is going to be awful, but they won't have the offense that Atlanta has to make up for it. Exactly. Um, now, I can I can argue myself into saying this is fine. You're Charlotte. You're not spending that money on anybody next summer. Ain't nobody going to Charlotte. Right. Right? Gordon Hayward's going to Charlotte. And, yeah. and and you had to overpay to get him. And so I can understand. And if your whole thing is, we just need an adult on this team. That's great. I feel like you could have found three Gordon Haywards for uh, you know half the money. At that price, I'd rather just go get Russell Westbrook. Ooh. Because at, at least yeah. you've set a certain floor. Oof, I don't know. <laughs> I th- no, no, no. I, and listen, I I am the one who prays every night before bed that Troy Weaver does not pull off a Russell Westbrook trade. <laughs> it's but for your own sanity. Say, yeah, for my own sanity. What I – Hayward makes – the contract is ridiculous. But at, I think if you got the rush trade, I would feel more comfortable about them at least being a playoff team – and, I mean, he, I don't know how he is as a teammate. I know how he is with the media, which is why I send those prayers every <laughs> night. Um, but he – at least it's like a model to look at on how to play hard every night. And they yeah. have guys like PJ and Miles who play hard. I think it would be very good for Devontae and LaMelo. And I would feel – I would feel more comfortable saying that they have a, a better chance at the playoffs if they had a relatively healthy Russ – at the same at the price in comparison to a, a relatively healthy Hayward at that price. I agree with you. Mm-hmm. I agree I think, with you. But for me, my thing Not, is I just don't think playing hard is their concern. You know, I, the, the team sure. is the team is <laughs> screwed up either way. But I think you know, yeah. in that sense, there's a whole lot of Russ, and I've watched a ton of Russ this this year. There's a whole lot of Russ where I just go like, wherever he goes, it's just like, oh, all right, good luck, folks. It, it's never going to pan out yeah. the way you hope it will. Mm-hmm. All right, and, and the, the last team in in the in that group in the final grouping, and the reason that I, like I, I right before we started this show, I hopped on Slack and hit up James. I was like, "All right, man, you got to walk me through this. I need you to be my my compass, my map. Tell me what the Pistons are doing." Yeah, so I'll break it down from this perspective of trying to. Uh, Get somebody to understand it. I'm not defending it. I'm no, just, no, no. Of course, I, I, yeah. This yeah, is just, what I could just, see as the vision. What I yeah. when I've talked to people, what you, they're you know presenting. this team. Inside I've already now. started G- blaming give you. Me, <laughs> yeah, give me that perspective. So here it is. They clearly 
what really caught people by surprise, specifically Detroit fans, is what I was saying earlier. The lead-up to Friday suggested a full-scale rebuild. I mean, they traded Luke for a pick. They traded um, a heavily, heavily protected first and essentially the signing trade of Christian Wood for another first-round pick. They went into draft. They had they op- They came into Wednesday morning with one pick, left the draft with four picks. Kind of suggested that a full-scale rebuild was coming. Now, a couple weeks prior, Weaver said, I wouldn't be here if we weren't going to try to be somewhat competitive. We're not going to put a doormat on the floor. That's just not what we're going to do. People ignored that because of what they did leading up to Friday. Friday comes, they make a couple moves that suggest that they clearly don't want to be Philadelphia level bad. Now, you look at the roster makeup, and it still is primarily a young roster. Like I don't, I don't know. I'd be curious to see where like you guys think that they're trying to do in terms of like making the playoffs. I don't think there's any way this team makes the playoff for playoffs as is. Like it would have to be. This is what would have to happen. Killian Hayes and or Sadiq Bay would have, have to, to be have rookie like, of the year. Yeah. Plus Grant would for sure have to exceed his twenty million dollars a year deal. And on top of that, just to for just to be sure that they could maybe get in the play in, Blake would have to be back to what he was two years ago. He'd have to be an all star. Mm-hmm. And with that said, if Blake even gets close to that, he's getting traded so fast. Uh-huh. So they're not worried about making the playoffs. That's not gonna happen. Like oh, most, I- I yeah. don't think they were even threatening to make okay. the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. I don't okay, think sorry. that that's it at all. But it, it just the moves um, certainly don't seem to be as as future facing as I would have expected. I'll tell you the number one move that stands out to me, the and it, it not well. Oh God, I forgot okay, all about sorry, that one. There are oh, two. I completely I forgot, forgot that one. Oh, There's so many there moves, two. and wow. Yeah. There, so the Plumley move certainly is is a thing that we should talk about. But but yeah. Christian Wood walking, mm-hmm. um, that's a big deal because the whole purpose of tanking or you know being bad or collecting assets is to take cracks at twenty five year old talented guys like Christian Wood. Yeah, and so just letting him walk for nothing, right? Is okay. Is bad. No, no, no. I, I and that's kind of like where people in Detroit like Grant enough that that hasn't been as like I haven't. It was a little weird at first, but it hasn't been as like uh, the torches haven't been as uh, fiery as I thought. What what it comes down to, from what I've been able to gather, even just thinking about it, one. I was told. So you guys remember when the the I think it was Isola tweeted that Wood was getting nine million a year. Yeah initially and it was obviously not right i an hour before that i asked about wood coming back and they're like it's 50 50 right now doesn't look good the number was just a little too high for us so then the nine million comes out and i'm like is this the high number you were talking about and they're like uh no that is not the case so what i think i don't what christian got in houston i don't necessarily think was what he was looking for from detroit mm-hmm. obviously houston we don't know what's going to happen, but one, they tried to trade for him at the deadline. Um, I think they called multiple times and Detroit said no. And Houston is one, a, a state tax free, correct? Yeah. Texas. Yeah. Yeah. There's no state tax. There's no Texas. state tax. And Houston's just in playoff. Like if they keep it together and just say, screw what everybody's saying, we're going to just play with these guys. Cause they're all under contract mm-hmm. and they have to play. Houston's in a great spot. Christian Wood comes back to Detroit I'm sure he's probably going to want face of the franchise money. Right. It's a different. Uh, it's it's he'd he'd probably want to make what 
Jeremy Grant got. Exactly. So, piggybacking off that, if you look closely at the moves Detroit has made, um, and they're not like obviously profound moves or anything, but Weaver is trying to build a certain type of team. It is the six seven, the six six to six eight guys who have high motor, versatile, can defend many positions, are going to get after it every single night defensively. I mean, that was Killian Hayes kind of has that had that hovering over him coming into the draft. Sadiq Bey is another 3 and D guy who's 6'8". Uh, Isaiah Stewart, I mean, you can see, I don't know what he's going to turn out to be undersized center, but, I mean, Vecini said he had the best motor in the draft. Um, what else did they uh, – there's so many moves. Um, then you go get Jeremy Grant. Like, you look at how OKC was constructed, Grant is the perfect fit for that. Um, they're hoping – and of course, they've rolled. This is one of the gambles: is that Grant is worth his contract. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Denver thought so um, to keep him. So uh, to say whether or not that's an overpay, I guess it depends on the value, and we'll talk about that too with Plumley. Um, but if you look at Detroit's books, two guys make over ten million dollars: Blake Griffin and Jeremy Grant. That is it. You get to if say. We all think what's going to happen happens. Blake just doesn't show he's back to himself, and they can't trade him before his contract's up. When that deal is up, it'll be Jeremy Grant and Mason and Mason and, Plumley and Mason Plumley and six guys on rookie deals going into the 2022-2023 free agency class. And one reason Weaver was brought in here is to identify talent and his relationships with players across the league. So I get why people like made fun of the Plumley signing and I get it like it is it's, it's well a lot. we're always gonna make fun of the Plumley signing right like, I, no I they could like win I get the title it. this year and I'm still yeah. gonna make fun of it yeah no exactly like I get it but like they like financially they're in good sh- they're I don't think they there might be like one or two moves on the horizon but like for the next two seasons I don't expect them to make many roster moves like their goal is to be bad Develop the four young guys they have on top of Seku, plus the two more they're going to get in the lottery the next two years. You build through that way. You have Jeremy Grant, who you're, and this is where the big gamble is: is hoping he lives up to his contract and sets the tone for the next iteration of what you hope to be contending Pistons basketball, which is again the long, versatile two-way wings that can guard one through four, whatever it is. And Grant's deal will be up soon after. Um, Blake is gone a year after. Plumley will be gone a year after. You add Plumley again, we all have the Plumley jokes, but for Killian Hayes, who I think is going to start at point guard on opening night, that's not a bad center to have for a no. young d- developing point guard. Like That's exactly kind of the center you want to have for him. A rim-running, smart, high-IQ basketball player. Good passer. Who, good passer. It, I think that f- getting Plumley was strategic. The money, again, getting a guy like Plumlee, that skill set was strategic for the plans they have for their young guys. They, like, I don't think, ha- like, so Derrick Rose, everybody loves Derrick Rose. One reason I, I don't think it's beneficial for Rose to start is because I don't, while I think Rose is still a good player, he, his style of play does not make others around him better. Rose is a bucket getter. Rose is a dribble, penet- dribble drive, sometimes kick. You have now a you're building the culture and foundation for how you want to play, what is expected to happen, and you're and they're just banking on the fact that a guy will live up to his contract. 
Your young guys will develop, which is what Troy was brought in here to do, to identify and develop those guys, and that you're going to continue to hit on your draft picks and that you're going to build what you, you want right now so when the time comes to have the money, there's a culture in place, there's some upside, there's some there's something to looks exciting in Detroit. Troy has connections all across the league. I think flexibly, like they have flexibility going for it. I don't know if I'm making any sense at no, all. No, if no, I've no. Persuaded I, you guys. I will tell I'm, you. I'm kind of rambling. No, I will tell you. There is a plan. I'm, I think that actually you made me feel a lot I, better about I what was they did. With you, till you said Mason Plumley has a high IQ. <laughs> <laughs> high IQ. Like no, no. Well, I meant it like good passer. Well, he's, no, he's gotten better he's passing. He's offensive. gotten better at passing. He's a good rim runner. He does shoot he's, layups he, with he's two a hands. Good, he's a good <laughs> rim roller and stuff and and things like that. But, like, yeah, no. <laughs> okay, that's a bad word. Yeah, he, no. He, I understand he is plan. going to average... He's going to average seven fouls per 36. He's already got <laughs> That's four before be the game's even started. But like, I, but, but you laid out what the goal is, and, and, and they're paying off. My biggest concern is, look, Jeremy Grant in Denver playing with Jokic, with Murray, in that situation mm-hmm. is a very different scenario and has a better chance to live yes. up to that contract that he got than he does in Detroit in that because he can hide behind some stuff. Like as long as he does what he's supposed to do, nobody will consider that an overpay. Yeah, but if he, you know what, if he in Detroit he has to do more. Twenty-two points though. a game on a bad team, he might, you know, get yeah, some assets. And, and, in a and trade. you're hoping he can. I mean, and you're hoping he can do that. But I'm not sure he's that guy. And you know, and that's, that's the gamble. The, that's right. the, that's ma- the gamble. And it's a massive one to me that they're taking. But. And I agree with you, Mo. And I agree that is like, and I, when I wrote that, I'm like, he's taking a gamble on Grant living up to basically a borderline all-star player. But if it doesn't work, is it the end of the world? Because they're not really expected to, they, in their mind, don't want to be good in, until three years. So when they get to that point and they realize it's not working, well, Grant can just go. And we had a guy here who was a two-way guy that could, we tried it. It's they're not. It's, it's much different to when the last iteration, when it was Reggie Jackson, Andre Drummond, Tobias and Blake, obviously, or they weren't, Tobias and Blake weren't together, but they were able to package Tobias to get Blake. But I guess if you just look at Blake, Andre, and Reggie, that those guys were under long deals. Like, that's what screwed Detroit, and they weren't any good. So they can't move them. At least Grant's three years, so by the time you want to be good, if it didn't work out, you can just go. So here, the, Real quick, sorry, just I just want to slide this one piece in. If, if yeah. you don't have right. him on the books like that, you're able to – collect assets by taking on a contract and still being just right. as crappy what what the biggest fear is you're at just good enough to maybe make the playing game not get good draft pick you know what i mean playing that like treadmill yeah, yeah. mediocrity kind of game and i think that's where that's Certainly. that hurts your building in the future and that's that's all i got that's all yes. i'm saying Oh, I'm not worried about them being mediocre i think they're going to be pretty bad uh real quick before we wrap uh james does Luke Kennard get a tribute video next year? <laughs> well, he's got to wait in line for Andres first. There you uh, go. With no fans in the seat. Does Luke Kennard get a tribute video? That's your. Uh, oh, show man. us on the. It's, tell it's us on the, the athletic. NBA. Go to theathletic.com. Everybody yeah. has a daily ding. Video. Hold yeah. on. I have a question for you guys. So, when Avery Bradley was in Detroit that one year and he went back to Boston, 
He got one. Would you be surprised? Like, if I had told you, if I had asked you to guess before Detroit was about to play Boston, Avery Bradley's game back, that Avery Bradley was getting a tribute video? Like, I know they loved him, but, like, it was kind of... Like, Austin was, Rivers got a tribute out. video coming back to the Clippers. Yeah. It's not... It, they give these things out like candy, and that's why I hate them. They should mean something. It should be saved for the guys, but that's a whole other rant for another Daily Dink. All right, that's got two in good. one night. Sorry to yeah, go ahead and wrap this up. <laughs> All right, that's gonna do it for today's show. Don't forget about the entire athletic podcast network. We've got every single sport covered, and of course the athletic NBA show. If you want to hear more free agency talk, go to the athletic NBA show. We had a great basketball buds. You're going to want to not miss any of these episodes where we're talking about all of the crazy stuff that just happened. If you're not a member of The Athletic, today's your lucky day. Go to theathletic.com slash daily ding. You can read all of our coverage ad-free. Listen to the podcast ad-free. All for a buck a month. Go to theathletic.com slash daily ding. Thank you guys, as always, for waking up with us. Fellas, you think you can do this in unison? No. No chance. You ready, Jack? <laughs> ding, ding. Ding, ding. Ding, ding. <laughs> Ha, ha, ha.